Welcome back to the Architecture Firm Marketing Podcast. I'm Dave Sharp, Marketing Consultant for Architects at VanityProjects.com. Today, I'm joined by Nick Brunson. Nick is an architect based in Perth, Western Australia. He first appeared on this podcast in 2017. In fact, he was my very first guest. So I was super keen to get Nick back on for another episode because he has been on an absolute roll over the last few years. His most recent built projects, The Ting, a resort in Bali, North Perth House, and now East Fremantle House have won a pile of national and international awards and been featured in many of the major international architecture publications. Nick's also been redesigning his business from the ground up during this period. He renamed from Post Architecture to Nick Brunson, and he started building up a team both locally and internationally to allow him to deliver projects all over the world. So in this interview, we discuss Nick's approach to explaining his projects in simple, relatable ways, both online and in the media. We talked about how he's been able to use PR and social media to stimulate word of mouth and generate some really high quality leads. And we also discussed his workflow for handling project inquiries efficiently, how he selects for his ideal clients, and how he structured his fees to reflect the value that he brings to the initial phases of a project. So let's get into that and a lot more. I really hope you enjoy this interview with Nick Brunson. Nick, thank you very much for coming back on the podcast. It's been such a long time. <laughs> yes, haven't seen your face for what's it, you know, a couple of years. I know, it's been a bit. So our... Alf, you were the first because I kind of like rebooted the podcast, as you know. But you were the first episode of the like a like the original series while I was figuring out like what the hell do I do on a podcast, um, and that was in June two thousand and seventeen. So that's like the last time we spoke, almost yep. four years. Not the last time we spoke. Last time we spoke on the podcast, almost four years ago, and I think like so much has changed <laughs> for you over the last four years, right? Like quite quite a bit of, of new stuff going on. Um, I guess like starting off, I, I'm I'm kind of let's let's start let's start kind of recently. Like you've had these like incredible projects that have all kind of come at this like tipping point recently. East Fremantle, like the newest one, North Perth House, the Ting in Bali. You were just like cooking these up for like sitting on them for a few years, and you were you like kind of going, oh my god, when these come out, like this is gonna be. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, but you know, you're always kind of impatient as well. Like I wanted it to come out earlier, but now I kind of realize that it's all like, you know, in its own right and, you know, beautiful timeline. Like that if all, if all these things came out like a bit earlier, like it might've come out pre COVID and then, yeah. you know, I'd have all this marketing and then no one would be doing everything because the world's in disarray. And so like the fact that it's like, so Grand Design's got, which North Perth House is on Australian, the Australian version of Grand Design. So that's coming out. Uh, end of April, start of May, and but that got pushed back a year. And at first, we were like really disappointed about it. Um, but now it's like you know it'll be releasing in the middle of this housing you know bubble. <laughs> and you know I was like, well, you know, actually couldn't have worked out any better, really. Yeah, like I, in, let's just talk about that grand design thing just really quickly because obviously it's it's going to be enormous. I mean, do you have any I, any sense of how many people actually watch Grand Designs Australia? Like it has to be massive, right? Like. No, I don't. I don't really know. Actually, that's not something I've ever looked into. Just you know, I know the kind of cultural cachet of it, as you say, yeah. and everyone knows it. Um, yeah. A bit harder to access here because it's. I think it's hidden. Oxtel. In yeah, 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 yeah. But like, you probably like in the in the phasing of how your projects have come out. Like, I can imagine you're feeling like North Perth House is kind of like 
sort of you've done you've done like the media to a degree you've done the awards like and then you're kind of moving on to the next project in terms of like your pr and everything but it's gonna get this like reinjection of interest right with with grand designs that i i have this feeling is gonna like blow away (laughs) some of that initial interest right like are you really excited to you know to really get such a cool look inside the project as well like that's almost the main thing right well, I think, the, well, there's, yeah, two, two points was that it was wonderful, like, you know, there's the marketing side of it, but it's also just great to have, like, it as a documented process. Of like, course, just exactly. Kind of see, yeah. Like, so we do a thing where at the end of every project, we do it, make a little, like, Moleskine book of, like, the process from the start to the beginning and give it to the client. But, like, the Grand Designs project is, like, you know, that's an actual documentary, you know, that's been tracking us. I think they said they recorded something like 500 hours of footage and they edit that down to 40 minutes, you know, which is just incredible. Yeah. So to actually have that kind of that whole process documented, you know, is, is going to be, is, yeah, that's exciting. Yeah. Like for the archives, it's definitely like mm. it, to look back on, to have a project captured in that much detail. It's incredible. Well, like you could, just, you, you know, could never get like, that sort of thing made if you wanted to, right? Like it's yeah, and, completely and original. It's, yeah. It's great kind of, um, you know, like, almost like a, a, a brochure as well. Like, you know, if you want to go through this process, this yeah. is what it's like with yeah. me or with a house like this. Yeah. I've been pointing people to, I did a podcast, um, another another architecture podcast. Yeah. I think you spoke to yeah. George. Yeah. Um, legend, he did so good. So yeah. I point people to that podcast because I'm like, you know, if you want to hear about like the way I think about buildings, just have a listen to that. And it's yeah. just this exactly. very little digestible piece of, you know, content or media that, you know, kind of settles into, introduces you to me into you know my way of thinking into like a process of going through design and yeah that sort of stuff so you know grand designs will will do much the same i would think yeah so let's talk about north perth house because that episode is like a a fantastic way to like get a detailed kind of look at each individual part of of that project and it's just like incredible the two of you guys talking about it but like when it comes to actually explaining that project to people it's so novel as like a concept as like a schematic like every like I'm, i think like it's genuinely so different to what people would like anticipate a home would look like or be like right in australia so um you know where do you begin in terms of like explaining that project um it's like it's a wholly rational project like it's something that kind of looks a bit different but they're like the actual thinking yeah. and process behind it was totally based out of just like budget and time and brief you know and it wasn't me kind of going like woo let's make some arches and some you know a concrete house that was all just you know like it's just it's one of those things where you know the product it's the sum of the parts but it's not like any kind of like you know artistic hand or brush trying to kind of you know impose myself upon the thing it's sort of like it was this like resultant form and thing that you know it just I don't know it still very much feels like a house as well like you go inside and it's like you know it's a house yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's just, it's just something that, I don't know, it's one of those kind of really unique projects with a, a great site, a great client, a great brief, and, you know, a trusting process. And, you know, like one of those things where you submit the first schematic, the clients take a big deep breath and a gulp and walk away for a, a weekend and go, oh, God, we're going to have to sit on this. <laughs> and, then, um, <laughs> and then came back and like, okay, let's go with it. <laughs> let's yeah. go. <laughs> Like, oh, I don't know. I think this might have come up on the podcast with George, but like at any point with that client, was there like options? Was there like a, here's the safe option and here's the like North Perth house option. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then they just, you know, yeah, honestly, no. and just went with the wild one. Like, honestly, no, that's, yeah, it's, it's strange. It was just, I think the strength of concept and the strength of yeah. just outcome was just always there. And 
you know, once that was kind of locked in, it just it just didn't deviate. Like, you know, the sketch became the diagram, which became the construction system, which became the built outcome. And it was like, you know, I've never like that, the through line to that was so clean. It was um, yeah. Is then it's the you know the effort to make sure that it all kind of holds still. But um like I always kind of say, like architecture is almost like this profession of midwifery. Like, you know, you basically are spending the whole time like, you know, just safely delivering yeah. this thing that's, you know, actually like already alive and, you know, ready to come into the world. You've got nothing else to give to it other than like care and process and making sure it all comes out safe and healthy. Totally. So as far as like when you've gone, and I guess this is coming back to that kind of question about, you know, how do you explain the project? I know it's not that crazy. Like it's very rational and like, mm. it, it's a very, very like totally makes sense as a project and it's not, it's not crazy or anything, but as far as like, you know, whether you're explaining to people or in the process where you've been kind of reaching out to journalists or talking with journalists, or they've been talking to you, or you've been entering it in lots of different awards categories and things like that. Kind of, what do you like to emphasize about that project? Like what's the, what's the main sort of, you know, point that you try to kind of get across? Is it like the system and the construction technique or is it the use of the space like or kind of all of the above you know because it's not an extra large house like what sort of what sort of things do you like to talk about when you think about that project um i think the yeah the to me the key things in that is it's like a really good kind of totem or like exemplar for like what the value of architecture and architects are and what we do in the the outcome you know it's one of those that you like what i like to talk about is the simplicity of it the efficiency of it and then just like you know the beauty like the space it's like really a beautiful space to be in so you know that those things coming together is what you get through great design is you know that it's it's doing a lot of tricks and it's very difficult but it's also like the clarity of the idea is there and that's what you actually feel when you're in the space so you know it was it was cheap it was quick it was efficient and it's beautiful you know so that's to me, that yeah, they're they're the main points that we always kind of try and talk about. I, I like I always try to not steal Trius's um, <laughs> yeah. but it, it makes sense all the time. It's I think there's a bold, simple, beautiful. Yeah, like that exactly <clears throat> something like or like firm, simple, beautiful, something something like that. Yeah. But like yeah. yeah, no, the amount of architects that have said to me like <clears throat> we're doing our website, we're thinking about our messaging, and we just kind of like want what Trius have on their website, <laughs> but like not what they have. Is there anything well, similar? Haven't they just basically modernized the Vitruvian principles? Isn't that absolutely? Yeah, exactly. Like you ask yeah. them about, it, they're like, "Oh, we covered it off." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's like the perfect kind of summary, and I, I like that. That's really interesting. I mean, very few people would answer that question about like, "How do you explain this project?" As like, well, I think it like represents really like the value in what an architect does. Like that's such an interesting kind of way of looking at it as well. And like, do you do you sort of see like do you sort of think of North Perth House as being like? particularly about that or do you have that sort of same sort of perspective with the ting and east Fremantle? like do you feel like the same way that they're just they're just communicating that same set of values and that's kind of like the trius slash nick brunson values um yes in the you know uh east frio was really about like the power of the space that isn't built you know the power of like not doing things like providing space for you know, the sky and light and sun and breeze. And that was, you know, that, so then everything from that kind of is deferential to, you know, the kind of the void and the garden. Um, and, you know, the ting was about, again, efficiency and simplicity. You know, how do we build in a remote location with, you know, abundant materials and not try and force trades to upskill or, you know, impose a, 
you know, an international style on, you know, a place, but kind of meet this like, you know, halfway point of, it's kind of saying like, you know, sustainability where, you know, like there's kind of this social sustainability where we're not coming to try and gentrify and wipe out ways of doing things, but we're trying to meet and, you know, learn and build together. So I don't know, I, I think there's just, like everything is always just about a contextual sensitivity and that's about, you know, contextual to the site or to the brief or to the client or to, you know, that kind of stuff. So without being, you know, that's kind of real architecty words, but, you know, like just just being humble really and listening and yeah. then finding the quickest through line from the problem to the solution. And I remember, yeah, someone saying, uh, you know, architects, we're not problem solvers, we're opportunity creators. And I think that's kind of like a really good way of thinking about it. Yeah, right. So it's, about, it's about a plus one, not about like a cost saving. Yeah, like, I understand. You know, you know we do, I don't think we have the metrics yet to actually measure the value of like what living in great spaces do to your life, like in terms of mental health and physical health and, you know, interfamily relationships or just how you go you know, about into the world. Like we, we haven't measured that stuff. I know that there was... Um, uh, it was an Archie Centre or someone, no, ARB, someone did the um, the report into the, using an architect in Melbourne on the small home renos and at the value of the house, like, and that's just a financial metric. Oh, the, the Archie team RASP thing. That's with, it, um, yeah. Peter, Dr. Peter Raisbeck or whatever. Yeah, yeah so where they were like, we compared, you know, architect design like homes or renovations to like, yeah, comparable normal houses and over time that yeah. they they appreciated so much more value. Right, you know, because that's, that's, yeah. that's, drawing a very straight line from, you know, use an architect, it costs you this much, sell a house, it costs, it's, it, you'll make yeah. this much back. But there's all these other things that I think that we're now becoming really aware of, of just like, you know, your mental health and, you know, how you get along with your wife or your kids and like how living in a, a just a space that is connected to, you know, our world actually helps strengthen those bonds or helps, you know, with your own sort of sense of self and, you know, peace of mind and, it becomes so apparent when you know you live when you could move from a dank house to a house that you can open a window or when you like you know i think covid's done that to all of us to like actually spending more time in our houses um you know and sitting there and being able to watch the sun track through the day and go why aren't i getting any of that why can't i open a window i think we're all kind of like emerged from this period pretty like dark and angry about the quality of housing that we've got <laughs> yeah definitely but like so so you're kind of thinking about oh, i mean it's just so, you're so thinking, okay, basically the reason I'm coming with this line of questioning is that after my conversation with George. Am I not asking questions that way? No, no, you definitely are. I just want to keep pushing it because I want to know more. Because a comment that George just sort of left for me last week after we spoke about his podcast and that he'd interviewed you, he mentioned, and he won't mind me mentioning this, but he was like, if architects want to like learn how to talk about their work, they should like listen to that episode I did with Nick because like he is just really, really good at talking about the talk about the project in such a such a way that you can just relate to it and connect with it so i'm not trying to like completely flatter you and be like oh amazing but i want to kind of i'm feeling the smoke over here so that's (laughs) nice um but i think it's like i want to try and sort of work out from from my own curiosity like what like what that is like can that can somebody else learn how to do that or i mean what 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 what's the mindset when you're talking about a project so you're not getting like lost in the you're not getting like lost in the immediate details and just like what's staring you right in the face. You're think you're thinking sort of like what's and you use the word context or the situation, but what what is maybe like the broader situation behind this choice, like a design choice? Is that kind of how you tend to think about things? Because you're connecting it to like society and you're connecting it to 
you know, generalized problems across across homes, right? And that's kind of, do you sort of think about that in the back of your mind, like during your, a lot during your design process? Or is that something that kind of becomes clearer to you towards the end when you're like, well, you know, when I think about why I chose to do this, immediately what comes to mind is this issue, right? Big question, I know, but. No, no, it's good. And I'm going to answer it in even bigger ways. Please which do. Is, um, I, I think, I think I can do that and talk and think that way because I've done a lot of thinking and work on myself as in like, you know, who I am in the world, how I process things, you know, basically self-awareness. And yeah. a lot of that comes with like the stripping and the losing of the ego and the need for kind of push for outcomes or for recognition or for, you know, like that kind of stuff. And so when, I, when I'm engaging with, you know, either George to talk about the podcast or the clients to talk about their project, I, like in the past, I remember I used to see myself as like kind of, you know, you always see projects as opportunities to kind of like make a name for yourself. And now like I kind of, I'm much more like empathetic and receptive and listening and, you know, like I take a lot more in and kind of it comes out in, you know, different ways. But it's, I don't know, I'm, I'm trying, like I don't know how to talk about this in a really, because it's like it's, I don't know, it's the inter intersection of kind of like, I don't know how to be a leader, how to be a listener, how to be, you know, a connector, how to be, you know, as a conduit between a client and a built outcome or between anything, you know, you place yourself this way in any project. So, yeah, it's kind of like it's the stripping of ego. It's the kind of, it's the, it's the approaching it with a, a, a humbleness. Um, but, you know, but also like understanding that, you know, my skill and my talent is to take those things and come up with ways that, you know, people might not have seen things before. So, like, you know, that there is, there is, you know, like, you know, I will, I'll always go, you're like, I, you know, I'm crucial and important to this process, but, you know, um, I need to know who you are. I need to know, you know, everything from the macro to the micro. What's, what's going on in the world we're living in? You know, what's going on in this location? What's going on with you? You know, who's around you that can help? Who's around you that's also giving inputs to this? What does success look like? What's the unique value proposition of this? And how do we all kind of move towards that? And only after that, there's this really amazing thing that happens in your brain when you get a lot of information, like, your subconscious goes to work and just like ticks things like you know you always talk about this kind of the artistic snap and you know like I always thought that was absolute bullshit but all those all my most important projects have actually happened that way like I've had this just moment where like you know the the thing just comes to me and I realize it's not kind of like you know it is sort of divine intervention but it's also like that you've done the work like there's no shortcuts and that it's the product of you know I've been doing this for 20 years now I've been you know, and, you know, I've like engaged with the site, I've engaged with the client, I've engaged with my, you know, broader society and community, I've engaged with building process, I've engaged with all these sorts of things. So all that information is back there, like rattling around. And, you know, like I'm, I don't know, the way my brain works is that if I just leave something there, I'll keep picking at it and picking at it and picking at it. And like, it might take a week, it might take two weeks. But at the end of that process, like, I'll know that I've gone through that like rapid testing, literally just in my head, just, yeah. and then when I actually come, to draw it or put it down like it's not touching i'm not trying to wrestle with it on the paper i've already wrestled with it in that context um yeah i don't know i've gone completely tangential no no I, I think that's really interesting and i'm kind of now i'm kind of curious about your your process in general when you start working with a client on say like a residential project or whatever um has have you found that you've needed to because you have this process where you're kind of very much in like empathy information gathering 
sort of distilling it and just like letting it sort of seep in the back of your mind and then waiting for that more intuitive kind of something to emerge, right? For it to kind of click. Like that's a process that probably doesn't, like you have to kind of let that do its own thing, right? To, to a degree. Yeah. How, do you, yeah. how, do you, how do you kind of, have you had to change like how you approach the initial stages of a project at all from the, from the kind of the normal, like off the shelf approach to kind of better suit the way that you like to design and think about some of these problems? Um, yeah, I've, I've, my business model is completely like kind of flipped in that all my value is up front and we break down the stages into like to parts. So, you know, we do we do like a protracted schematic design and design development stage. Like we've got them, we've got we call SD1, SD2, DD1, DD2, CC1, CC2, so construction coordination one, construction coordination two. And so like I've already been told that I'm really expensive up front, but I know that that's actually, I'm trying to like, put the money where the value is um you know it's, it's kind of in, in essence you know like delivering a project is delivering a project and that's kind of like you know that's a procedural you know kind of um professional based thing but the value that you know that i bring to a project is is in that work that i've just told you talked about and so that's kind of like where i guess we've now kind of flipped our business model a bit or sorry, our fee structure a bit and sort of you know pushed all that up front yeah i'm interested in learn about that so so you've got by putting the fee structure up front does that kind of give you more time at that initial stage and also how do you sort of handle like client comes in this stuff isn't obviously like described on your website necessarily so it's kind of like that initial meeting and then you have this discussion with them and explain the sort of the front-loaded nature of the process is that kind of um just a pure systems funnel like you know i've got like a task board i've got leads I've got funnel, I've got confirmed, I've got the steps I take. From getting a phone call, I know exactly what, what marks I need to hit to like bring people through. And I just have like this front end sales lead process that just, you know, I'm not gonna say work, it works for me because I know that I don't have to think about things. I just know that when I get the first phone call or an email lead or whatever, that this is the first step we do. Then we do this step, then we do this step, then I get on a call and I present this to you and then I present this to you and then I send you away and then you go think about it and then we either go ahead or we don't. So through that process, we've had a lot of touch points. We've like spoken a lot. I've got a detailed brief from you. We've understood each other. I've given you my service proposal. I've had a call with you and talked you through the service proposal and explained each step, explained the value. I've also given you a projects breakdown and a sort of a, a, like a, a cost plan on what I think you've told me from your brief, what I think that's gonna cost and only, you know, they're incidental. So you can actually go away and see what the, there's no sticker shop. You actually know what doing a project like this is gonna cost with all my fees built in as well. And basically just kind of, you know, go, look, here's all the information. You go away and make an informed decision. Cool. I, I'm, I'm changing the topic again because I want to talk about the fee structure now. So you just exactly. keep on bringing up awesome new directions because <clears throat> there's something, there's something really cool happening there. So firstly, like congrats on having like a well-oiled sales process. Like that must save a lot of the mental. Oh, it's, it's so good. I just, I think back to how long I spent, you know, kind of like working out how to respond and do things and like, my fee proposals yeah. always look exactly the same. My, I have a 15-minute 15, 15 call to begin with and an hour call and then, you know, the whatever, like whatever. I just I do the process. It's bloody simple. So, yeah, so I've got like that front-end process. I've got a back-end process. And now my next phase of the business is to build out the middle, which, you know, we, we can talk yeah. about. But yeah, we'll talk about the middle. Way. We'll talk about the middle. I'm still done. I'm still on the front. Um, so, so, okay, steps in that process, like in that chain of events of your sales mm -hmm. process, you're obviously um, 
with the type of work that you're doing, it's so important that you can be, you know, fairly picky about what clients kind of come to you. Um, are you finding that, you know, generally with the work that you're doing at the moment, kind of how you're marketing yourself, that the leads that you're getting or have been getting in like recent months or over the last year have been like really good or are there, are there still kind of some leads where you feel like, you know, I'm not a great fit for this project or this isn't, you know, it just doesn't work. And then how do you kind of deal with those situations? It's simply, I reckon it's what's really, really interesting. I think I've hit the point now where I flipped from a service-based professional to a value-based professional where previously people would go, you know, like someone would say, oh, I'm doing a project, you know, I need an architect. And someone would go, oh, Nick's an architect. And then you'd speak, we'd speak to each other and yeah. we'd either kind of clash because, you know, I'm being seen as someone who's, you know, someone's got, I need to get a building done. You can help me get a building done. Do that for me. But the flip is now that I think it's I'm like now my the perception I seem to have in the market now is like as a value based thing where people are coming to me because they like what they've seen of me and want to engage with me for an outcome like that. So it's kind of it's subtle, but it's very different in that like the leads are almost coming pre qualified. You know, um, yeah. I'm not having to. I think you know of say twenty leads say over the last two months or whatever like two have dropped away so like the others are all kind of like already here awesome. because i think you know i think everyone's like really informed these days like everyone's aware of and seeing everything and you know you can kind of make your decisions based on what you're seeing and here like you know if you want to find anything about me like you know as you said you can like listen to the podcast you know look at read articles see all my stuff on instagram like you kind of you know it's there's no surprises really so it's like um yeah, you know, it's sort of pre-qualified and really at that point, you're not looking to find out, you know, who am I, what I'm about. You're actually just looking to verify that what you've seen is what you think it is. Yeah. It's like, yeah. you know, and that's that's the change is that it's gone from kind of, you know, the service-based thing where it's, uh, you know, you're always competing on fees or it's a race to the bottom or, you know, like that you can be replaced by the next person down the road because that person just wants, you know, some design services yeah. to, you know, to one of one where it's like, no, we want to work with you because we like the way you think about things. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I would argue that that's like a fairly rare thing because it's kind of the byproduct of you doing like a ton of hard work on like media <laughs> and communications and saying yes to every interview and like going on paddles and giving talks and, and saying yes to journalists. Like you're like, you've always done all that stuff. And now, like, as you say, like I put Nick into Google and tons of stuff comes up that I could like qualify or disqualify myself against. Right. Um, yeah. But like, that's not the norm, right? <laughs> like, like normally when you put an architect into Google, it's like, there's their portfolio. Like, I like that, but like, I don't really know anything about like these people or this business or like anything. Right. Yeah. So, so it's like, I'm, I'm just kind of like saying it's, it's amazing. This like great situation where you feel that like the leads that you're getting are, are mostly like really nicely qualified. Well, I think it's, you know, it's the stuff we've always talked about is that, you know, that design has to have a communication for, a component which is you know there's no point you sitting in the corner of your office doing your work doing your buildings then like no one understanding what it's about and i know i've kind of got this thing going on at the moment where so when i was in portugal um whatever two years ago i was going around I, this is the, like the best day of my life so uh aries mateus who's like one of my hero architects i got to spend a day with him in a car driving around seeing his projects and every time you turn up to his projects he'd walk in and he'd go like this is the living room uh, here's the garden, you know, the kitchen's <laughs> over there and, you know, and that's it. And I'd be like, Bro. I'd be like, 
Where's the effort? Hey, this is, you know, like <laughs> there's so much more going on here. But it's also kind of like, you know, like, like you know, so Geordie, my wife, is an artist. Yeah. And she always talks about like, you know, that art is a medium and, you know, art is a medium. And, you know, as soon as you try and like kind of force an outcome or like a reading, you kill the art. And so uh, like where I was going with this is that, you know, so what, what, how I try and communicate about design and architecture is about the benefits and the things that it can like do for your life, but not about like kind of narratives or, you know, thematic stuff or kind of, you know, that this is how you should be or this is why I've done this. It's more just like, this is the resultant thing you know, like going like go, the East Frio house is one that, you know, it's very different in North Perth houses. It kind of like, it feels a little lot more kind of like, I don't know, settled and, you know, yeah. it's more of a house house. Yeah. But you walk into that space and it just like, it's got that, that sort of the, the thing that you always talk about where you just, you go, oh, this like feels really good. And like, it, you know, I'm still like you're surprised every time I walk in, I go, oh, you know, like it, <laughs> it feels amazing you know and like you know, i kind of go maybe i was a bit hard on it because it doesn't have like you know the kind of the showiness of north perth house but yeah it just works and so like in terms i've totally lost what the question is but that's like you know to me that's that's what you what it needs to be well you know what? Oh, that's I think yeah. about design, you know is about you know what yeah. it, what it can do for you like as an end user as a person in the space rather than like you that's know me trying to do like in this, I'm going to get the word wrong, uh, hasiogenic, you know, like deifying way of being like, yeah. here's all the work I did. Here's all my references I used. Here's how clever I've been. You know, like fuck all that off and just Perfect. You know, like... Perfect. I, I, feel like, I feel like that answered like five questions back in terms of like the kind of the subtle difference in like how you talk about the project and you just kind of like kind of encapsulated it, I think, where it's like you're mostly focusing on like the benefits. Like that yeah. sort of sums it up in a way. Versus yeah. the other, could you make the other side of that clearer? Like what the opposite of doing that sounds like? Like just make fun of other well, architects for a second. Like, it's, you know, like where you're, you know, where you're talking, I don't know, where, where you're talking more about process and, you know, material or references or why it's important or I don't know, all that kind of other crap, you know? Yeah, it's, right. Like in the, in, in the end, architecture is really just what a person experiences or feels in the space. Yeah. So if you can like talk about what you're trying to make people feel or, you know, like what you've felt in that space, people might relate to that or they might prompt them to think in a certain way. Yeah. Or you might kind of talk about, you know, spatial sequencing about like, you know, you want sort of people to feel, you know, warm and enclosed or, you know, like this kind of, you know, this pause or respite before you then enter like light, bright space or whatever. So you can kind of like talk about, you know, that kind of thing, but not like, I don't know, you know, like yeah. these... East Brewer House, you know, like has these lumpy things on the southern facade that are actually kind of a bit of a Ronchomp reference, you know, like kind of this, you know, yeah. uh, you know, mid-century modernism, you know, like sculptural forms, you know, Caboosian thing, but like, you know, no one fucking cares about that. Yeah, that, right. that's, that's me being a good designer, like articulating yeah, forms on yeah, a certain yeah. boundary because that's where all the, you know, the, the ancillary shit goes. Yeah. And your northern side wants to be clear to get the, the sunlight and have a garden, all that sort of stuff. But, yeah. you know, it what it, it makes the house look cool, but, you know, it's actually just not important to... It's not like... The, yeah, so it's kind of like those... People. It's like those, like, director's Easter eggs that, like, you and the other, like, the other hardcore fans are like, oh, I see that reference, <clears> so I know what that's in connection to. Yeah. And it's like this extra layer, but what you when you're talking about the project, like, you're mostly prioritizing, like, like it just kind of makes you feel this way. We've done this because this is way more comfortable and that's more fun. And it's more this kind of like much more like normal everyday experience. So when I put it like that, do you, does uh, is it slightly more nuanced than that? No, no, that's it. Because like, you know, once your project's finished, you can't be in the house telling people what to think and feel once it's done. 
and you don't put a plaque up the front as well and go, you know, this project is about the, you know, thematic response to blah, 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 blah. Like it's just, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. it doesn't work that way. So yeah. like, yeah, anything that's too steeped in that kind of, you know, either that stuff, it would like fine, you know, you can do that. But, you know, the only experience that matters is each individual's experience within that space. Yeah. And it's why, um, I don't know, I'm going to throw some bricks here. It's why ARM's um, Australian Museum just, pisses me off so much because it's like got all this fuck it's basically one giant yeah. easter yeah and you walk into the space and it just kind of feels like a just a twisty weird shed like you don't actually get any kind of <laughs> you don't get any delight or anything out of it it's just kind of like you know it's a whole lot of you know like in jokes yeah yeah, like, yeah exactly what's the point? but like yeah and i'm, I'm with you 100 percent. like there's probably like a we probably both like sort of agree on some level though that in architecture like maybe there is like a little bit of a pendulum that sort of sort of swings back and forth with some of these things, right? That like, you know, maybe maybe like you're also kind of in response to what you've identified as like too much of that type of thing in a way that like that doesn't, you know, that there's a lot of that. Like there is always a lot of like, well, there's this like local, you know, um, pine cone no, that... Don't, don't preclude that, but like don't, <laughs> don't do it exclusive or don't do it at the expense of the user and human experience exactly like human right. experience that's you know that's it that's what it's about yeah exactly and and so that's that puts it perfectly so yeah you are still it's not a complete like rejection of that kind of more like symbol, no, like, look, symbolic okay, look, or look at, the, look at the east Ferry house it's literally like you know a total fucking romchomp ripper you know? yeah exactly like, you know, and that makes you happy you're like finally i got to do a romchomp like <laughs> 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 that's great yeah, yeah but yeah. but then when you talk about it okay it's more of like a celebration of that of what it's like to be there and that's actually kind of in, in terms of how that fits into i guess like marketing like we we kind of know that people don't really they don't really make decisions like with the rational part of their brain like they it's like the emotional part of their brain and like how, do, how would it feel like what would it feel like to be in this place right so like yeah. in a sense it it, it yeah. it's a very sensible strategy in terms of like talking about the building emphasizing that like personal experience of being there yeah yeah totally and yeah that's exactly right you know the buying process is done emotionally but then post-rationalized yeah right so so do you feel that when people are kind of coming into the studio and this is kind of a question i've also had with such a you know, so they've come in, their emotions have kind of dragged them in your front door, right? Like they are feeling like emotionally drawn to these projects in a way. Like, do they kind of see, like with the leads that you get now, now that there's this kind of like established portfolio that they're all looking at, are they kind of going like, there's something about when I see like these projects that just makes me feel like really happy. <laughs> it's basically the kind of brief that you're getting or are they coming in with more no, like, we, you know, the really efficient we, use of those concrete slabs, just really and modern no, construction just, methods. No, no, no. Good, yeah, like, yeah, good point. But like, basically, as soon as someone's in the door, we start again. You know, that's it. Yeah. Like, no one's coming in wanting a new one of those. Like, everyone that was going to be my follow-up every, question. Every, every, everyone, <laughs> is, you know, everyone is treated because it is, you know, a new project, a new opportunity, a new client, a new everything. So that's kind of why you know it's you know it's the least efficient way to do things, but it's the right way to do things. That you know, like, there isn't a studio style that comes out. You know, yeah. there's a is an approach as a way of thinking about stuff but you know like i'm not going to do another seven tilt panel concrete houses that yeah. was like specific <laughs> to that project and that approach you could definitely um, fall into that mm. if you weren't careful i can imagine oh yeah yeah, yeah. No, like, I, I say the line, like everybody, everybody just wants you to do it right <laughs> yeah, yeah another another beautiful arch house that'd be so great with concrete slabs 
but like that must um is so that's pretty amazing because i would almost expect that like every single client coming through the door would be like we just love that house that's so amazing we want that could we do a slightly different one but bigger you know but no, no but your clients are just totally like, no yeah. but again it's against you know all business advice and you know probably your own business advice is that my studio like has always been broad you know like i've always yeah. been doing you know like big resorts or you know hospital projects small houses urban propositions you know like all sorts of things so um you know like if i was a purely resi studio like people would come in and say okay we like that one and we did like that one and we want some more of this but because you know my approach is across, you know, all sorts of different typologies and outcomes. Um, you know, I think maybe people are coming in expecting that, you know, like it could go any direction. Yeah. 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 Cause like even just the three projects that I'm kind of focusing on, like there, there's so much range there and like the type, well, the type of project we'll talk about the resort in Bali, but like, also they just, they aren't three houses that all look the same. They're like, you know, they're, they're, they're really different. So you're kind of, people are kind of on their toes. They're like, I, I like, I like what these buildings are about and I connect with that and I connect with like listening to you like talk about, you know, what, what's great about these projects and all of those factors. They're not necessarily just going like, I found this photo on Instagram and, you know, I basically love it and I want that kind of bookshelf in my house. So <laughs> that's like a truly an awesome client, like awesome set of qualified clients, which is so cool to hear about. Um, it's, it's, yeah, I like, I'm like, practice is just so much fun at the moment. It's awesome. That's great. Um, Let's just quickly touch about touch on the project in Bali because I remember, I remember at one point at some point I think 2018 or something I think like you WhatsApp me like, hey, do you know like a project architect in Bali? (laughs) And I'm I'm thinking, God, he must be desperate if he started WhatsApping me from across the country. Going, do I know somebody? (laughs) We all all have those moments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so, so I'm guessing like that project was like got real got quickly like got really real really quickly and you're like oh i actually have to like build a project in bali and like just for the for the listeners this is like this amazing luxurious spa resort in the in the middle of a forest in um in bali right it's absolutely beautiful and um so that was a project where that was such a uh like such a big change of scenery for you in terms of like the projects that you've been working on like now doing something now doing a resort in bali like how how did that kind of come about and you know we're obviously going to talk about the challenges of working remotely and all that stuff before anybody else was really doing it um so like overall looking back on that project the ting like what's the takeaway for you you know when you look back on that project well, it's been a it's been a success in like a model of that working remotely, and I have like I had a few at the time. I've still got ones now. I was saying I've got I've currently got a client who's based in uh, in the Netherlands, um, doing projects over on the east coast currently, like large resorts, small houses, um, and it's sort of yeah, like working in projects in Portugal and China and uh, and Thailand. Um, you know, it's sort of just prove the model that, you know, prior to COVID that, you know, you can't, you don't actually have to physically be in a place to like actively and, um, you know, professionally manage something and get a good outcome. And that was, you know, it's about good people. It's about good systems. It's about trust. It's about all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, the thing was just, you know, it was purely my, my project partner, um, Mangun, who's, ba- who's in Bali, 
and he was the he was the lead into it and you know it's his skill and his team that kind of you know got that done you know we sort of had a very clear you know like kind of design architect project architect relationship um he basically basically didn't even you know we we check in every sort of couple of weeks and you know he'd send me messages going how what do you think of this you know is this the right way to do it and i just sort of say yes or no so my role really became like man managing design fidelity which is you yeah. know the right role for you know yeah. in that kind of relationship and um yeah it's been you know successful and you know so successful that we you know we've kind of opened a, an office up there in Denver. obviously we can't go there at the moment because of covid but just you know when the borders come down again um you know expanding further into southeast asia and you know working with this kind of method you know through those regions and you know trying to sort of bring that you know around you know to to those places and you know servicing the the industry and the clients that are there and you know hopefully rustling up a few new ones as well dude that is insane office in Denpasar, man yeah so that that's, well, that's quite, a, quite a stretch from king street yeah at, at this point it's you know it's a partner office so it's my you know yeah. it's mangan it's mangan's office and i have a desk yeah. there yeah but that's you know that's we've so got a cool. working relationship and you know he's he's brilliant he's on the ground he knows southeast asia he knows hospitality he knows build costs he's got this great integrated model of you know he's a designer but he's got um resorts and he runs hospitality he, you know he operates the hotels but he's also got a construction arm as well mm. so you know like it's, it's kind of a one-stop shop and yeah then, you know, wow I bring, I bring the design side of things and you know it's kind of a a full offering which is you know really great way that's like that's like a really one-of-a-kind partner to have um somebody with all that experience in those different areas um was that was that something was was he the client on the thing was he was part part of the client so he was someone i met 10 years ago so this is how it came about yeah right was after i worked in the middle east um the person i was working for had a small resort up there yeah. And when I moved back to Perth, I had a client that was wanting to do something in Bali and I went up and then I met Mangan because Mangan was the architect for my uh, boss's resort. Yeah. So I met Mangan just to kind of speak to him and ask him some questions about the place. And um, yeah, and the project didn't go ahead, but we stayed in touch. Then he got back in touch, whatever it was, seven years later and said, we've got this site, we're running a competition. You know, I've seen your work, would you like to be a part of it? And uh, we were and we won the competition and that's where it, that's probably when I... WhatsApp you and said, "Oh shit!" <laughs> <laughs> so that's amazing. So there was an actual competition. I didn't realize that. That's that's incredible. Yeah. I, I I just assumed it was, uh, it was just like it was a, a few invited architects. Okay, were those were the other? I mean, not that we know too much about the other architects necessarily, but was that also like other international practices, or was it kind of like local? It was two, two Chinese, one Indonesian, and us. Right. Okay. Cool. That's interesting. And so you guys are. Uh, looking at collaborating on all of these different projects around that region. And your role is, again, that kind of fidelity and concept design and, and that sort of thing. That's yeah. that's very, very interesting. And are you, are you finding that, I mean, so in terms of like new leads that you're getting these days, I mean, are a significant, like how do they split between like, now that you've got these, you've got the Ting has popped off and done really well, got lots of attention, then you've got the housing projects. Um, like what's the split between like kind of, this international thing you've got going on in this hospitality space and the residential projects locally. And is there any, also, I'm curious, is there any sort of interstate stuff like any New South Wales, Victoria or, or inquiries in, of late? Yeah, I've got, um, I've got something in New South Wales at the moment I can't talk about that's cool. pretty sizable. Um, some resi work I've looked at in New South Wales, one in uh, Carlton North I'm doing currently as well. Oh. Um, so there's yeah bits bits here and there um, yeah which is 
I don't know, totally selfishly, like, you know, it's the sort of practice I want to have. Like, I love the ability to travel or to visit or to just work with different people in different places and learn about the world and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I've got a young family and just uh, being able to, we spent a month in Portugal all together when my oldest was only four yeah. months old and that was just about the best time of our life. And, uh, yeah. you know, that kind of, you know, we always talk about work-life balance and, like, for me, like I've been able to kind of have this work-life integration where, you know, they both kind of like feed off each other and the best of each world comes into, you know, each piece. And it's been, yeah, it's it's something I want to try and, you know, preserve going forward. And as far as like getting that kind of work going and more of obviously outside of Perth, okay, so you're not like clearly where your work is coming from is not just reliant on like word of mouth because that would usually be like, well, it's all kind of local in the same sort of neighborhoods and everything, but it's around the world so has for you you know what's played the biggest role in terms of getting on the potential clients radars has it been getting published or i hate to be hate to kill your question but it's it's word of mouth it's always word of mouth it's never gonna be anything other no than way oh great oh that's so interesting well, so it's, it's reference it's you know it's people you know people say oh have you seen you should use and yeah. you know um instagram or you know or articles could work work as that and uh you know but it's very very rare to get like a cold call like you know someone who's yeah. seen you know it's i don't know yeah it seems to be it seems to be word of mouth no but that's like a very like specific kind of word of mouth where it's like not word of mouth from a past client necessarily no no it's, it's more just it's word yeah. of mouth from somebody who's a fan of you potentially who's seen your work and then is telling other people about it right yeah, I think so. I think that's kind of how it's working. But that, that well, I'm not, not like actively doing anything other than posting. No, on Instagram. no, no, exactly. And that, and that, like middle person, the one who's like doing the like, oh, you should work with Nick. He's amazing. Like that person is potentially somebody you've never met either, right? But yes. Yeah. Wow. So I am saying I'm flipping it right back on you and saying your media and your Instagram have absolutely generated those projects for you. I thought you yeah. were going to flip it for a second and be like, they're all just friends and family of my past clients. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. You got it. Yeah. Yep. No, but I think yeah, that's right. like, that's so, that's so revealing and interesting because like, there's always this assumption of like, oh, we get in wallpaper magazine and like, then somebody picks it up at the news agent just as they're looking for that new house. And it's like, there was this sense of like, immediate in the moment i need something i find it like no, that's this model nothing ever happens quickly like yeah. I had, you know like so one of my clients said that uh they'd been following my wife on instagram for like three years four years and they just <laughs> bought this house and they were like we should get a piece of art and then they're like oh actually we need to do a reno and then they were looking around and then they sort of sent it on me <clears throat> and then they worked out that uh, we were married and we're yeah. like oh well uh... i guess the art can wait. we'll get we'll do we'll do the reno first I love that you're um, like, I don't know, I don't know where all these clients are coming from. I mean, I'm not really doing much. It turns out like you're just amazingly well-known artist wife is out there like bringing you heaps of clients. It's her arts like in all, is tagged in all of these amazing projects and all this great stuff. And then like, she's like, like a, little bit, a little bit nepotist or sick of, you know, whatever you call it. Um, yeah. You know, that single shoot we do always has her art. In it. I know, but that's like a nice, like little, just, it's a, like another one of those like subtle things is in all of the work. It's really cool. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Let's go, let's like jump back to the, I think that's so, by the way, I think that's so interesting because I think, yeah, again, it's just not what people usually anticipate, like, when their marketing is successful or like their PR is successful, that it's still going to be like a word of mouth factor. Like people are still going to tell people there's still going to be an introduction at some point. 
Well, and you might be able to you might be able to expand on this more, but like you know, I've had people say to me like you know, oh, I was walking around and then like I saw your name three times in a week. You know, yeah. you're in Vogue Living. I saw an article in the paper, and then you know you popped up on digital, and then like you know that kind of like you know whatever that reinforcement then yeah. you know like kind of pushes yeah. people over, but there's never kind of like here's my direct marketing campaign, and someone's just sitting on the end of it going, oh right, perfect. Now I'll <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll, yeah. It's, it's breadcrumbing. You just got to like, you know, yeah. it's, it's, the, it's but, the cumulative effect of, and that's why it's so hard when you're starting out. Like literally this is only happening because I've been doing this for 20 years. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's all built up. It's It's been this, it's like the think, perfect kind of flywheel hmm. effect, right? It's like, there is no like specific hmm. push that made it turn. It's like just this accumulated, right. lots of little things that you've done, like lots of little things, probably more than most, but you're right. It's like that, there's that persistence factor. Um, you know, like it's sometimes traditionally called like the rule of seven or whatever, like seven impressions of the of the product yeah. or the message and people get it. But then recently people have gone like, oh, we've done the research and now it's like the rule of 20. So seven doesn't work anymore. Now you need like 20. But um, but that's like so true. You've, you've basically had like consistency with somebody over a long enough time span that like it's finally kind of sunk into their memory because people are like, people aren't, people aren't going around like deeply memorizing or really thinking about things that they're encountering for the first time. Like that's something that it takes a little it's bit. So We're just getting so much information every day. I know, just like a deluge. Let's go back to the uh, the business structure a little bit because you were telling me that, you know, your business model is just like completely, you know, reinvented itself and you're working like with this remote team. So do you want to tell me a little bit about how you've kind of, like how you're sort of doing things at the moment with this team that you're building remotely? Yeah, so I've kind of exploded it. A little bit was that I put my practice uh, basically in sort of in sleep mode for a year while I worked. I did a year with the government um, as the head of Design WA, which was leading all the build environment policy for Western Australia. So during that time, I kind of yeah had to put the practice you know in in dormant. Um, mm. But then when I was coming back out of that on the other side, um, I was had some work coming in. I was. Uh, looking around, I was kind of thinking I need to hire someone. But I was speaking to my Balinese partner, Samangan, again, and, you know, Bali's been completely decimated. You know, they were 95% tourism-based, and that's all disappeared, you know, over yeah. in the space of a month. Um, and, you know, it's still going today. So I was asking him, I was like, you know, look, I'm, I think I might need to hire someone, but these are the things I need done. You know, is this actually something you guys can do? And he said, yeah, yeah, we do that all the time. That's, like, not a problem. And I was like, okay, well, maybe, you know, I'll package up work and I'll send it to you and you can do the, the, the drafting I need. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, it's bad because it's like, you know, Aussie jobs and all that. But, um, you know, it's actually like helps me be smaller and flexible and kind of, you know, like manage costs and manage staff. Yeah. And then so I get all my drafting and, you know, documentation done with my partner office um, in Denver, And that helps because it brings us close together. It keeps us in communication. It's, you know, and they're really, yeah. really good at what they do. Um, and that's, you know, that's their skill set. And so, again, that leaves us as managing for design fidelity. So we give them the, the docs. They do the docs. It comes back. We review it, you know, all that sort of stuff. So that sort of then pushes us back into our skill set, which is making sure that the outcome matches what we want. Yeah. Then we're getting all our renders done uh, in you know, so the Ukraine at the moment, and that's just you know what? so so all so basically all the stuff that I used to get done sort of in house, which is you know the drafting and the renders yeah. and all that sort yeah, of stuff, yeah, 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 is now just turning into work packages and just kind of being sent off on an as need as needs basis, which means that I kind of get to control. My overhead's a lot better. Um, I get to kind of like schedule work and work with people who are like specifically very good at that one thing yep. and then manage that and bring it in when I need to. Yeah, that's amazing. 
Well, I've literally, I've got no staff at the moment. I've got, you know, a bookkeeper who's, you know, working remotely. Yeah. I've got, you know, documentation working remotely. I've got renders working remotely. Yeah. I've got yeah. someone who's just kind of helping me out who comes in sort of every uh, once a week who just does bits and pieces here and there. Um, yeah. You know, more yeah. of an admin EA kind of role. And then I'd have to, I've got someone staying next week who, you know, when I kind of looked at my practice and looked at my business and worked out what the gaps were, um, they're coming in more as a kind of a projects manager, like COO, chief operations officer, um, yeah. to sort of quick hiring before, ad. Do a quick hiring ad, Nick. <clears throat> no, I don't need to. I, I, they're coming oh, in. You already already, got them. I, oh, you found yeah, them. Amazing. Playing, okay, playing okay. Oh, yeah, true, true, true. I just, <clears throat> I just saw. I was just like looking at the post. So I'm like, oh, cool. But anyway, yeah, no, that's awesome. hiring I should probably yeah. take that down. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I almost applied, man. You almost you was misled me into writing my CV, yeah, but no. Thank I, you. I think you've got completely the wrong skill set, so you wouldn't get through. <laughs> I think I'm like the exact opposite of what you're looking for for that job, like yeah. without a doubt. Uh, that's yeah, amazing. So, so their role is to sit in that middle space between, you know, the kind of the early work, you know, there's the lead generation, you know, the, the early schematic and concept work and the closeout stuff and basically sit in that middle space and, and sort of anticipate and plan and manage and you know and but try and reinvent that service layer as well like mm. how do we kind of take people through which is normally like the most boring part of the design process you know once it goes from pretty renders and you know concepts and you know yeah. all the broadness of everything that can happen into they're now locked into you know easy construction documents here's your engineer here's your that sort of stuff how do we kind of think about that process and reimagine what that could be from a client perspective and how that might actually be a delightful exciting joyous yeah. experience so yeah. that's 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 my next piece of work I'm doing on the business. That's so cool. That's interesting. How are you working, like in terms of on the business, um, and obviously you're structuring as far as how you're structuring your like typical week or how you're working at the moment. Like, how are you doing like on the business time versus you know direct into it, it, like I guess working on the projects. Um, it, do you have like a strategy that's working well for you at the moment? No, I, I did, but we've just gotten really, really busy and I'm just kind of having to do... It's all just you know, going like, to shit just, Yeah, yeah. But it's also just the, the way that, um, I don't know, the, the work's coming in, you know, that all the work I'm doing currently is the early schematic stuff, which is where it's yeah. really heavy for me. And one, you know, if everything came in, you know, in a sort of more consistent manner, things might have moved down the pipe a bit further, but basically there's these big lumps of work that are all in that phase, which is yeah. sort of very time-heavy for me. But I just, I just have like Google Sheets and spreadsheets where I have like my monthly costs. I do my uh, monthly cash flow forecast and look ahead. Um, you know, I sort of review that sort of weekly. As projects come in, I, you know, reassess my, my cost base and my, you know, revenue structure and just see how that's all looking. Um, so I, I, just, I try and keep it really light and easy, but sort of that all the information is right there yeah. and clean, you know, for me to do. Yeah. And, and I'd assume that with the, with the outsourced... Um... How do, how do the kind of costs compare? I mean, like on the one hand, you are working with people in Indonesia, but on the other hand, they're also really good at what, like they're not, you know, they're not coming through some freelancer website. They're like a very legit firm in it, there. So like their costs will be a little bit higher, but, you know, as far as like how it fits into your practice and similarly with the rendering in the Ukraine as well, like does it, um, is it is it like vastly affordable compared to, you know, um, how you were doing it previously um or are those costs kind mm. of have they kind of caught up in terms of you know outsourced drafting and 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 rendering in the uk like what are you finding oh sorry um, UK, Ukraine, I, I think, my bad. that's right uh i i know i'll probably have to go through like i'm only sort of nine months into this so you know we'll see but you're like i haven't moment, got an invoice yet 
<laughs> I don't know what it's going to... I hope it's cheap. Moment, <laughs> well, yeah, at the moment, it's, you know, it looks it looks promising. You know, like I'm, I'm yeah. sitting here and, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's my practice. I've got whatever, 15, 20 projects I'm currently and it's just yeah. me managing. That's scaling. So, yeah, this, so it's... Um, that's you know, awesome. At the moment, we're holding on. And so as you're... But you've like got this... Like, that, I've, like, I've already planned that I think the next hire is someone who would have to come like would be kind of like you know in the design in a design role a design yeah. architect so that would be the next hire simply because of the number of yeah, the locally, number of projects locally, yeah. yeah yeah have you considered I, like I'm, kind of, I'm pretty much tapped out on capacity like i kind of right yeah I can't, I can't do much more and you're not looking to like institute a waitlist or lift your fees or do anything that would help to like reduce or cap supply or you're just looking um, to scale up basically yeah, it's a good question. Something I thought about. Maybe it's a good link back to the rename from Post to Nick Brunston, which I yeah. remember. I remember running that past you. Um, it was election said, day in 2019. How was it? <laughs> I was at the voting booth, <laughs> sitting, sitting there on, on the phone to you, sitting on the footpath for about half an hour. Every time, I, every time I speak to you, I just picture you like this, sitting in your room, just like you know, no. as if you're just kind of on call counselor, just no. you know, ready to take was, my call. I was picking bits of sausage out of my teeth. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so I called you on a Saturday. Yeah. That's not really, It was really? on. You just texted me being like, hey, man, do you have a minute for a chat or something? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, I think, um, yeah, I think, I think it's a good question. No, I haven't thought about capping supply at this point. I think, I think the whole, the branding, rebrand from Post to Nick Brunston kind of did that in a sort of, uh, I don't know, a more, uh, I don't know, su- subtle or subconscious or, you know, like, I don't know. Yeah. I, what's the word, like subvert, subverted way. Um, yeah. But, you know, I would be saying that there's like an oversupply of post in the market. Post is like, as the name is, this amorphous blob that is kind of like, who knows how big it is, how much work it's got, whatever it can be. But Nick Brunton, like, there's only you. And, yeah. you know, everyone knows that if it's you, that your time is limited. And, you know, it's like kind of that brand recognition that That's ties more to, you know, the work that I've been doing, you know, in terms of marketing and talking about design and, you know, all that sort of work as well. So... Um, you know, like you look at, you know, say locally here, like Kerry Hill, you know, yeah. Kerry Hill is dead, um, yeah. but that doesn't seem to hurt their ability to take on as much work as they want or they need or, you know, to to, to vet work or do that sort of thing in, in its own right. So, um, yeah, at this point, I haven't thought about, like I do, I do select based on client and fit, but I don't sort of like have an upper limit on it at this point. Do you feel but that? I am, sorry, you go. No, no, you go, Nick. Finish that thought. No, no, I was going to say there's also like this kind of right sizing that needs to happen in Perth. Like Perth is a small market. It's partly why I've always looked to try and develop international and interstate work. Just to, you know, that Perth is, uh, is, very, is a very hard market to thrive in. And if you compare like practices in Perth to practices on the eastern seaboard, there's a, I don't know if we talked about this before, but it's pretty, it's pretty obvious to me when you look at it in that the prevalent practice size on the east coast is like a medium-sized practice like you yeah. kind of you're eight to twenty because yeah. that the procuring market sees that that's where all like talent and knowledge and ip lies that the medium-sized practice is kind of like if you go with a large practice you're going to be underserviced and overcharged but if you go to a small practice you're going to get underserviced and the, the skills might not be there yeah but in perth that doesn't exist yet like in perth it's only really big practices or really small practices and anyone that's medium-sized just gets completely obliterated. Um, yeah. So yeah. that's kind of why you've got to like look to, I guess, different sort of methods of finding work or different business models or all that kind of stuff. So 
Yep. That would be my one proviso is if, you know, scale did start happening to me and I did start having to grow, I'd be, I'd have to be, think very carefully about it. Yeah. Right. And to tend to really be confident that there is enough, um, mm-hmm. like international demand for, for your work and like sustainable demand for your work as well. Based on the fact that the birth market is just, it is quite small. It's, it's not super competitive, right? Like in term, not, I don't want to say not competitive. Like the competition isn't strong. I just mean in terms of like the ratio between people and projects to architects is actually, you know, from my memory, if you compare it to Melbourne, like it's kind of in the architect's favor in some ways, like that's kind of been my overall impression, but. Agree and disagree. Like I remember there was the Hilton design comp that they ran over here. And um, it was like the first competition that had been held in, in years. It was like 2018 or 17 or whatever around there. And there was something like 85 entries. And I was like, are there 85 firms in Perth? <laughs> like, you know, and that, that's 85 firms that have entered this, you know, like little tiny Hilton yeah. design comp. So there's probably like double or triple that amount that are actually just sitting around. I just think that the difference is the firms in Perth aren't as visible as the ones in Melbourne. Like, no, in Melbourne, that's true. So I think that's maybe the issue that there, you know, there is there is a lot of, firms around there's a lot of services there are people that pop up that i yeah. kind of go i've never heard of that name before yeah. but they're here and they've carved out careers in niches or doing other sorts of things you know so yeah that's interesting so you've got this like growing kind of international team with these different people i am just kind of curious to go back for that for a second just in terms of you mentioning where you package up the work and kind of <laughs> deliver it to them i mean we're getting so far away from marketing it's like not even funny but I think it, it relates to what I, what I find like in my work, talking to my clients that I think, oh my God, you could achieve so much if you worked with people overseas. There's so many great talented people out there that are not, it's not impossible to work to, like internationally anymore. Um, uh, but you know, there's always this kind of reluctance. It's like, you know, the effort I have to go through to find the right person and you know, how do we have a process? How do we communicate all that sort of thing? So I'm not going to think about the, the Indonesian team because you've got this like such a deep relationship with them. But maybe if we look at like the Ukrainian rendering people, like is that an agency or is that like an individual or like what sort of, and you can keep the name secret if you want. Cause I feel like they will get like <laughs> flooded by other architects. Yeah, I get definitely. so many emails being like, Oh, what was that? Like renderer you guys mentioned. There's like always people on the lookout yeah, for that. If anyone, if anyone wants to know, they can DM me on Instagram. I'm happy to tell, but yeah, I won't say it. Um, uh, so hang on, what was the question? So the question was like, in terms of the process of like working with those, uh, with, with the people in the yeah. Ukraine, the rendering team, like, I mean, what, what were the, did you have any initial concerns like, or, or worries about how that process yeah. would go? Yeah. yeah. But like, how did you get through it? Cause so many people just like, kind of, they go like, oh, it's too hard, too scary. Well, I don't, again, it's a bigger sort of to pull it back to the bigger issue was that I kind of, I've come to this realization and you know, again, it's like I'm 40 now and I'm getting old. I've got a gray hair. I can see out there as well. And my hair's all pulling out. But, we'll um, we'll yeah, edit that yeah. out. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> um, but you know, that I, the way I used to build my practice was surrounding people, was surrounding myself with people like myself. So you kind of like create this like echo chamber of people like, you know, that I really thought were you know, like that saw the world the same way as me, that I really like the way they designed, that I really like the way they kind of, you know, I guess, you know, it went, just carried themselves and their, their deportment. But, um, you know, that actually the way to build a, a strong business is to surround yourself with people who aren't like you. So to, you know, like to actually find those holes and fill them with the people that can like actually round out, you know, what you bring 
as a as a person and as a leader to the firm. So, you know, this this new hire I've got coming in is, you know, the point was she's like the opposite of me. She's like, you know, very, very good at like, you know, procedural management, you know, like kind of both like that kind of um all that work, you know, which I, I can do. You know, it's like I remember someone saying it's like um it's like being left and right handed. Like I can, I can lose, I can use my left hand. I can get stuff done with it. But when I'm pushed, like my preference is to go to my right hand. Yeah. And so, like these kind of things and these skills, like I want someone whose preference is, is to go to their left hand. You know, that they they still you know, are good at design and good at understanding all these other things, and we could probably run a client meeting and bring people on board. But what gets them out of bed in the morning is an organized spreadsheet, and you know, like looking ahead and anticipating problems and all that kind of stuff. And so that was just the same thing with, you know, rather than bringing in like an all-rounder to the firm, like I need a documentation set done, so let's just go get someone who does documentation or I need like three specific renders done, so let's get someone who does rendering all the time. I think that's a kind of like compartmentalising of the world. The world is getting bigger but smaller at the same time, you know, yeah. and, that's, and that's, I guess, what, you know, what I'm, what I'm the, the whole thinking and rationale behind that. Yeah, and then so you started working with these guys or, or this team and you i mean rendering is particularly interesting so like because before you have a render you also need a 3d model right so like do you also have a 3d mod modeler in like kyrgyzstan and like or are you is there a part <laughs> is there a part where like you just start with like i'm visualizing this and it goes down this chain of like international freelancers or like no, mate, no, not yet. so I, I still do all, all all that initial drafting i, I build everything in archicad myself basically. oh cool okay so, cool. Right. So I'm, I'm the bottleneck i'm i'm the, i hold everything up at this point so yeah but I'm, I'm quick, I can do that. I can get it to a point that kind of has everything kind of where it needs to be and then sort of pass it off. But that's why I say that like, I think the new hire would be someone who kind of does that, is sort of a design architect who's building 3D models and building that initial design work out with me. That's interesting. Um, let's just quickly go back to marketing and just like maybe finish on that in a sense. I'm just interested in terms of like where where you sort of see the future of the Nick Brunson practice and the, and the studio um, and kind of what, what, what the near future looks like for you, not just obviously in terms of marketing, but you're kind of, you mentioned you're rebranding at the moment. Are there any other things that you're kind of like paying attention to at the moment to give like a little bit of a, you know, maybe a, a little vision of the future of like what, where you sort of feel like the communication of your studio is going and, you know, or, or architects in general, if you, if you prefer to like speculate on maybe the industry as a whole. Um, no, I'd prefer not to speculate. <laughs> I'd prefer you to. I think that'd be so great. But no, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Um, um, I've, kind of, I've learned. I've learned a very hard lesson, which is that you know, I you can't fix or change or save everyone. You can only one hundred percent. I have also learned that lesson. <laughs> yes. I feel like so, if you listen to I our know, last podcast in 2017, we were both so like, one day architects are going to be doing this and this yeah, and this, no, and we're going to encourage them and all this yeah, sort of stuff. And no, now we're just like these no, two no, jaded no, guys no, and we're like, man, sometimes you just got to like let some people fall behind, you know? <laughs> yep, that's where I'm at. So now I'm just like, uh, yeah, I'm just looking after my own world and what I can do and I can control yeah. and how I can service so let's talk. About, so let's talk about that. Like, what's on your so what's on your radar? The branding. Do you want to start there? Um, yeah. Uh, so it's in process. Like, you know, well, I, I haven't even got first drafts or first comments back. I've only just started engaged the process, working with a great firm over here pretty soon, who I felt aligned with. I've known them for a while. Um, they're also kind of like a little a, a team of small team of people who are based in Perth, but working pretty anonymous, anonymously, doing amazing work all over the world so running 
global campaigns for Puma, for Nike, for Dropbox, for Red Bull, you know, like doing yeah. these huge, big things, internationally talented, you know, like amazing respect and recognition. We're just here kind of quietly in Perth working away. Yeah. And so like I kind of felt a resonance with them. They're really, really good at what they do as well. And so we're kind of looking at how do we kind of position, you know, this brand as, you know, like it's my name, but how does the name sort of, you know, I guess represent more than that? And how does it talk internationally? How does it talk locally? How does it kind of position? Where do I find myself, you know, in terms of, I don't know, like, you know, how, I don't I, know. I, 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 it's hard to answer at this point, but um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. They're complicated questions. They're definitely not easy. Are you finding the process like quite strenuous, particularly when you're quite busy and you're dealing with like a fair bit of, you know, a fair bit of project stuff. Like, are you still finding that you've got that time to kind of reflect on some of those those philosophical questions about your business that tend to come up during that like branding process? No, because I reckon that if you're a business owner, you're sort of just doing it all the time anyway. So like it yeah. was, the questionnaire just came to me and I was kind of just able to fill in the things I'd already been thinking, like, you know, what brands do you admire? How do you want you know, to be seen or feel? What do you want clients to feel? You know, how all that sort of stuff was just like, you know, you've already been thinking about it. So it was, you know, it was pretty, pretty easy. That's interesting. All right. Well, that'll be really cool to see, to see kind of where that's going. And in general, like, do you, like, as far as like beyond the branding, putting stuff out there, do you, the approach that you've had so far in terms of media and awards, is it basically just for you kind of Instagram media awards, kind of rinse and repeat and do some talking, do some sort of personal PR stuff on the side, right? Like what's the, if, if we were to like in one sentence kind of put together what your marketing strategy looks like, that's, that's pretty that's pretty much it, right? I mean, well, I don't know. If, I don't know if awards are a part of it. I've been winning awards, but like you know, you, like, <laughs> you're not, you you're not spending all day like filling out award submissions and like presenting to juries and no, stuff. That's not. Like, yeah. You kind of realize that it's just it's like it's it's totally a crapshoot. Like you know, yeah. like there's 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 projects sometimes that you know, like that you enter that you think are going to go well that don't, or sometimes that you just don't. Like you know. The thing winning the design award is like, you know, like I never expected that to happen and I'll never expect yeah. that to happen again. So like to kind of, to build a marketing process based on that, I think is kind of fraught. So, yeah. you know, like it's actually just about, you know, you control what you can control and that's, you know, designing great projects, getting them built well, getting them photographed well, and then sort of putting them in the hands of the right people to, you know, to talk about them, to share it, share them, or to, you know, promote them in the right ways and, you know, rinse and repeat from that point on putting them in the hands of the right people. That was the part that most people aren't doing. <laughs> so I was uh-huh. like, yeah. photograph well, you know, 50-50. Some people do that. Some yeah. some don't like, you know, design well. Okay, everyone's trying their best at that. But it's like that one ingredient that you also just dropped in there, like a little secret herb and spice. It's like, put it in the hands of the right people. Like, who are these right people, Nick? Like, what are we talking about here? Like, what's your like targeted surgical approach to... Like what? What are we? Are you talking about like journalists, editors? Like what? What? What are we? What are we dealing with there? I don't know. Again, it's, it's project by project and opportunity yeah. by opportunity. You know, again, it's sort of more about you know, like you can use something like Bowbird, which is you know really yeah. useful to kind of yeah. just do a, like a broad blast. Yeah. But again, it's you know, it's just time in the career and building up those kind of connections and references, or you know, like people. Yeah. That you can like. Yeah lean on or who actually are now following your career so like east rio house has just been published in the local project yeah and that's you know been wonderful they are so good at what they do and like mm. it's been the best experience but that was because they reached out to me and said you know like we've been following your work we'd love to you know like feature your new project or any pro mm. any work you have yeah and so that's kind of like you know 
having those options or choices or being able to make those decisions, you know, is quite, you know, beneficial and useful. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think that's kind of the thing is, you know, like being, I think someone said before, like the best, best way to do it is kind of be really selective and say like, I'd like you to feature this work or I'd like to work with you and I'm not going to anybody else and I'll give you exclusivity for, you know, what are 30 days and away we go. But, you know, like, again, who knows? You know, it's, it's, there's no one size fits all with this sort of stuff. Yeah. But that seems to be like a consistent kind of takeaway, at least I'm getting it's that like a lot of this stuff is a long time in the making and you have like cultivated these like relationships or these processes or these things that have been like slowly being kind of put in place over time. And like you couldn't make that overnight, right? Like you couldn't like start your firm from zero. Like you're an accountant yesterday, Nick, and then today you're launching your architecture practice. You just got qualified and it's like, bam you know and i'm not i'm not saying like that's you know you i wouldn't even i would no, say it's like there's a hard work there you know yeah no, it's also there's i don't know there's, i think it's the name of a book or maybe it was a quote but it's like it's called uh fill the well before it's dry and it's about just mm -hmm. like kind of um you know going through your professional life operating in like a spirit of graciousness and gratitude and giving like never ever looking at anything as like a transactional that you know like okay, I'll give you that, but like, what's in it for me? Like that yeah. you, you know, all you have in your career is your reputation. You have to protect that with your life, you know? Yeah. So making sure that, you know, like all business courses will tell you, you know, to kind of like map your hours and map your time and don't go over and do all these sorts of things. But all the time, you know, you actually, you make an investment in that time or you over service or you go the extra distance or you just like, you do it because, you know, you know, you don't know how, but you know, it'll be worth it in one year, two years, five years, 10 years, you know, you never know how these things come, around, come back around. Mm -hmm. And sorry, and as soon as you start being kind of like meager or mean, like that's how you start to see the world and you start to see everything as like, you know, a zero sum game rather than, you know, like in the spirit of abundance and that there is opportunity and people and, you know, um, I guess these connections everywhere. Like, you know, I've, I've been speaking to this guy, this, you know, potential project in Chile it was literally because this guy just emailed me, or oh, sorry, DM'd me on Instagram. I was like, hey, you know, can you tell me how wide the shower is on the ting? I'm doing my own house over there and, you know, this looks great. And I was like, yeah, no worries. And, you know, I kind of responded and like, I try and I like, I, I try to respond to everybody on Instagram. Like, I, like anyone who's taken the time to, to ask me something or reach out or just say like, looks great or whatever. Like, you know, just try to give that back because, you know, it's who knows how these things come around and it's not, do, I'm not doing it I'm trying to create projects out of it. I'm just doing it because, you know, it's the right thing to do. And, you know, it's like, I don't know, it's, it's great, you know, attitude of gratitude. There you go, man. Nick, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Let's uh, 2017 to 2021. So I will see you in 2026, my friend. Right. <laughs> like episode the three. <laughs> right, mate. Cool. Thanks, Thanks Nick. Man. Catch you later, man. Cheers, well, that was my conversation with Nick Brunson. If you'd like to learn more about Nick, you can visit nickbrunson.com. That's B-R-U-N-S-G-O-N if you're having trouble spelling it. Or you can follow him on Instagram at Nick Brunson. 
If this is your first time listening to the Architecture Firm Marketing Podcast and you enjoyed this conversation, please make sure to subscribe to hear a new episode every other week. If you've got any marketing questions, I'm going to start doing a series of Q&A episodes. If there's anything going on in your practice's marketing that you would like some advice on, then email dave at vanityprojects.com and I'll answer that on an upcoming episode. And if you'd like to learn more about me, Dave Sharp, you can visit vanityprojects.com to check out my blog join over 5,000 other architects on my email list or learn more about my marketing coaching services. So that is all for this episode, guys. See you next time and have a great couple of weeks.